smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back to the Unprecedented Podcast, folks. Today, my God, we're in November already, folks. It's November 2nd, past Halloween, but even scarier time coming in a couple days. Uh, we're, we're, we're there, man. Four days to the election. Uh, lots of stuff going on. We've got some election updates. We've got some UN updates. We've got some, as we always do, Steve King and Joe Arpaio updates because they're fucking nuts. You know, uh, always a lot going yep. on in crazy town, isn't there, John? Yep. Yep. So the the I say funny only because it was such a horrible story that now that it's turned and blown up in Donald Trump's face, it's actually kind of funny. Um, everybody knows about that video yesterday. Uh, that Trump, or maybe it was the night before, but that Trump put out. Uh, and really kind of disgusting because he put the video out and didn't even buy any ads. He didn't do anything. He just simply put a video on his Twitter feed. And of course, all the media dutifully reported on it because that's what they do. And uh, it was the it was that racist video about the uh, uh, immigrant, maybe Mexican, I'm not sure, Latin American immigrant murderer who killed the cops and the sheriff's right. deputies. And They find and like Trump- the one guy, yeah. you know, there have been a couple of these undocumented immigrants who yeah. have committed violent acts. And then you find, of course, the number of violent acts committed by white people born here. But they yeah. find the few exceptions. It's it, People call it yeah. a modern Willie Horton. I think that's about right. Exactly. And like 100 times worse than Willie. It was Demo- – he came here to kill and Democrats let him in You know, and whatever. Well, guess what? Democrats didn't let him in. George <laughs> Bush let him in. So not And not only did George Bush let him yeah. in, the guy that came the better here- part. Well, well, actually, and the, here's the funny part, actually. Somebody on Trump's team probably didn't do their research, but at the same time, since Trump lies, they figured we'll just fucking lie about it. Well, the guy did come here the first time under Clinton. He did actually come here, but he got kicked out under Clinton. He then came back under George Bush and killed all these sheriff deputies. Now, in the meantime, just to add, like, you know, cream on top of the <laughs> the cake here, the um, at one point in the late eight, in the late 90s, he was arrested by Joe Arpaio, who then released him, quote unquote, according to the Sacramento Bee, for reasons unknown. <laughs> Arpaio, the Republican who was pardoned by Donald Trump, released He's this guy. Fun. Probably give him he, a fucking reach around is what it probably is. Yeah. Well, and he. Did I say so that? Sorry. No, he go didn't, ahead. Not about the reach around. No. But, but they basically, so Arpaio lets the guy go. He goes and does more crimes and then actually did get deported and then snuck back in under Bush. So, you know. You actually can't blame our pile, but the point is, if you're going under the sort of the ethics of the Trump video, you absolutely can blame our pile. The guy was arrested and let go under the Republican Trump. Party. Well, when they when they simplify everything the and they yeah. make it about you let somebody go, it must 100 percent be your yeah. fault. Well, under their rules, they let him go. And George, literally, the date of his reentry uh, was under when George Bush was president. He then had been living near Salt Lake City where he remained until 2014 when he and his wife embarked upon a methamphetamine-fueled trip that ended with their arrest after the deputies were killed. So this guy snuck back into the country under Bush, killed sheriff deputies. So the entire freaking ad that Donald Trump did about why we shouldn't elect Democrats was really about why we shouldn't elect Republicans. So, you know, keep that in mind when you watch it. I mean, look, it's oh, it's, a, it's a complete surprise, racist, surprise, surprise. What you'd expect from them. Yeah. Um, but of course, like, whether he was a whether he was a Latino immigrant, whether he was a Czech immigrant, white, you know, black, green, whatever, you can always guess these days that if Republicans are making the charge, they actually did it. Because that's pretty much yeah. how all this stuff goes. It's, yeah. it's how everything Donald Trump says goes. It's really been the Republican Party for a while. 
which is if you can attack the other side and say they're doing it, then maybe people may not notice that you are. Um, but but it is kind of fascinating though that like their argument is it's I mean at least with Willie Horton didn't wasn't it Dukakis I think you know at least Dukakis actually did you know it, it did happen yeah, under but, like, there was right. it was a I mean, this, but even one, that one if you look back at it it was a furlough program that had been put in place by his predecessor and Ronald oh, there Reagan, you go as governor of California had a very similar furlough program okay, that let all sorts of people right. go so even right. that one was was their their usual bullshit. Right. Seriously. But I guess my point is, though, this one is even more bullshit because their argument was he snuck back in under Democrats and Democrats let him go, except that he actually snuck back in under Republicans and Republicans let him go like the entire. It's gotten so bad. But you know what? But this is the leitmotif of the Trump administration that literally the entire thing is a fucking lie. And it's presented to the American people. The media helps amplify it. Oh, God. Yesterday, Cliff, the. The, that press conference Trump gave where he was – Trump was going to lay out at 4 p.m. Eastern yesterday his new policy on right. – um, I mean, uh, what like do you Jacob call Wall's it? Press uh, 14th Amendment, like, babies How do you not know that nothing's coming? Like there is a point where you just want to fucking grab these people in the media and be like, you're not this stupid. So you must just be acting this stupid because you can't be. You literally can't be or you, you honestly, you're way in over your head for a job. Go wash dishes somewhere or something. Well, Wait. guess what? Guess what actually happened? So he does the press conference and ranted for an hour about immigrants and all this crazy shit he was going to do to them, right? And this is the one where he said that uh, if those you know Honduran migrants pick up a stone, we're going to shoot them. All that crap, right? But he actually he was going to announce a new policy. He didn't. What he announced was we're going to be thinking about a new policy. Well, last night on CNN, and look, I like CNN, so I'm not a usual CNN basher. Okay, the people I actually like, I'm not even going to name names, but the people I like on CNN are saying, you know, we were promised a new policy and that's why we covered the press conference live for an hour. And all he did was rant and rave. He tricked us. He tricked us into giving him airtime covering this. That's bullshit. And I'm sorry. I'm not, I, you know, I give CNN what I think is fair to give CNN. I don't sit and ream it, you know, all the time when there's no reason to, there's some great folks on CNN. There's political analysts like Paul Bogala, who you and I, I mean, I, yeah, I consider him, not only a talented guy, I but a like friend. Maria Bolger and a number of the Jake other analysts. Jake Tapper, who I actually think more often than not. I mean, I disagree yep, with him. I think he's good. I think Anderson <laughs> Cooper is very good. I think Don Lemon during the Trump years has got a lot better. Well, he was he's more been both sides are back in the day. Yep. I mean, I can sit here and give credit to people, but at the same time, when they you know sit there and let, like they did for a while, Jeffrey Lord spout his stupid shit without, yep. without throwing it, when they still let certain Trumpers do that. I'm going to, and Corey Lewandowski for a while, I'm going to fucking call them on that. I'm sorry. And when they, you know, and for when I would line up who I believe is most responsible for Donald Trump being able to get elected president, the, the two, the, the two media outlets that stand out to me the most that gave him the most unfettered coverage and, and attention and not, and not nearly critical enough with the New York times and CNN. So, and I'm not apologizing right. for that. Right. It doesn't mean that I still can't say there are times when CNN does a great job. There've been times within their Chiron, They've corrected bullshit that he said. Right. There have been times that, you know, that they've been very, so it just depends. But for did, them, didn't they give him, anybody did, at did, CNN, let me yeah. just finish this one point. Yeah, yeah. Anybody at CNN to give him an hour of free airtime and claim they're being duped at this point. Well, that's just a pile of shit. Well, and MSNBC didn't. MSNBC, I turned on MSNBC because I finally turned off CNN. I was like, why are you covering this live? MSNBC, they're having a discussion about something else. And then I see Chuck Todd of all people, because people on the left get upset at Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd goes, you know, we're not going to be covering the president's press conference that's going on right now because, you know, we think it's just a trick and blah, 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 blah. But we're going to watch it for you. And if there's anything newsworthy, we'll report on it. And it was, it was, you were like, yay. The other thing with CNN, which kind of pissed me off though, as I'm listening to them say, 
And then he like announced this, said he was going to announce something big. And it was just an hour of bullshit that he was just tricking us to get coverage. I thought that's exactly remember, remember the birther thing before the election when Trump was going to finally have his press conference renouncing birtherism. And he, and he gave some, first of all, it wasn't it like a promo for his hotel or something like he's going to finally release his taxes and and had an event and didn't do that. I mean, like, well, no, 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 but Cliff, wait, but this one I'm saying literally, it was like a promo from his hotel to get his hotel. He he gave, and he gave some weird, like half hour speech before anything about the birther thing. Like it was a total promo for shit he was doing. And then on the birther thing, he kind of said, well, I was the one who actually took a stand against it. He basically lied. Bottom line is this isn't the first time Trump has claimed he was going to announce something and just stolen the news cycle. And yeah. for them not to understand it in today's day and age. That's why I don't believe they don't understand yeah. it. And that's my biggest problem is I think they're lying. They just wanted they, the views. Because they think that it might be it because Trump has good ratings, like any car, good car crash or explosion is good ratings. Um, people want us to turn it, tune in to see the fucking carnage. And, and that as far as they're concerned, that's okay. Cause then they get more money for advertising. I mean, I, I, it, I don't believe for a second that they didn't know. I don't yeah. because they yeah. can't be that fucking dumb. And if they are that fucking dumb, go into a different business. It doesn't require a brain. Yeah. Seriously. Ugh. How about let's talk about Heather Newart and the UN. <laughs> well, <laughs> they just out. Story. when I think, when I think about a, a position in U S history, uh, you know, an ambassadorial position that has had, you know, the likes of Adley Stevenson, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, Henry Cabot, Cabot Lodge, Lodge Jr., Madeleine Albright. I think even Gene, even Gene Kirkpatrick, I will Gene say. Kirkpatrick, yeah. I think right. Heather Nauer, because to me, you, really what you want in an important foreign policy position is a Fox and Friends host or a former Fox and Friends host. And you're uh, talking you know, about UN ambassador, of course. That's correct. Even yes. by their very low, pathetic standards, like Nikki Haley had no experience. And that was, you know, and that was a real problem as far as it was concerned. But at least she had managed a position, something. She was a governor of a state. Right. You know? And I think before she was governor, she was a state legislator of some sort. So she had actually been around policy and been around this, you know, and managed things. Heather, now it's a fucking spoke Spocks for the, the State Department. And she wasn't even qualified for that job. Put it this way, dude. You ever see Animal House? Yeah. Like, I don't know if you remember there's a scene where like, was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? And they all look at each other and he's like, and one of the guys, it's oh, yeah. John Belushi says it, and one of the guys is like, he's on a roll. Don't stop him. Oh. <laughs> like, that was more correct right. than what Heather Nauert thought about World War II. She didn't think the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. She thought we fought alongside the Germans. I honestly, that level of ignorance yeah. and stupidity, you shouldn't be allowed anywhere near a TV camera or a radio or, a, I mean, you look, you, you just, you shouldn't be anywhere where you, people actually have to listen to your thoughts publicly. And now we're going to have her sit there. A lot of stuff's done at the UN, like life or death stuff. As you know, John, you've worked there and you've worked in foreign policy and I've worked in foreign policy. These ambassadors sit down and negotiate things. Sometimes you have to bring a, a, a country that's being sort of recalcitrant along to stop a fucking massacre somewhere. Heather Nauer, she's going to do that. Like, you know, she had to go well, and discuss well, Rwanda with people. Yeah. She'd have to take take out a fucking, you know, uh, a dart and throw it at a map and maybe then guess where Rwanda is. Wait, so so on Fox and Friends, she was like the woman they put in the middle? Yes. Which, and frankly, on Fox and Friends, which is really kind of, but this is what Fox does. The woman in the middle is kind of a, kind of the a, attractive dolt. I, mean, I was going to say, they, they pick somebody who's kind of, I mean, the two guys are light. Actually, no, the blonde the guys, guys are lightweight. Too, but I think that's part of the point is that the woman has to be. But the woman's dumb. even, I was going to say. Them not look as dumb. Right. 
No, that that's exactly what I've noticed is exactly the guys are, I mean, the blonde guy is really a bimbo or a himbo. They're the ones who do that stuff. Well, but like, they kind of shut the woman up too. She sits there in the middle and kind of the guys go back and forth. And then like the one woman did yesterday, who was at the host now, who yesterday uh, said, you know, well, if the media doesn't want Donald Trump to call them the enemy of the American people, they should report the stories the way he wants them to. Yeah. Right. And thank God CNN, Brooke Baldwin ripped her a new a new one on CNN yesterday. That was pretty good. Like at least they're, so I will say this for CNN. What's been interesting is CNN is now taking Fox on and they wouldn't before. And they're taking Trump on, like you said, not just with Don Lemon in the evening, who's been amazing, but even during the afternoon now, they're kind of not putting up with the bullshit anymore, but then they still fall back. It's like, they're That's like, a, a it's a they're like a, I feel you like know, a, a whole lot of like the, AP yeah. pulled their headline the other day because they got such an uproar because all of us were like, you can't just fucking put down what he says if it's yeah. not true. And they apologized yeah. for it. Yeah. I really do feel like all of this coming from so many of us and really from so many who weren't the usual characters doing this during the Bush administration, never Trumpers, other members of the media um, who are even criticizing their own. I mean, one of the best, and I complimented him the other day, he was mm-hmm. nice enough to thank me on Twitter, is John Harwood, who is oh, yeah, I like phenomenal. Him. I mean, he grew up in this, and he's defended it. He's he's laid out his philosophy on this. You know, mm-hmm. he said I, he came he's, up. He's NBC or stuff. was NBC, right? He was he was NBC, but he, he he's CNBC now. But in the past, he was right. LA Times. He was New York mm-hmm. Times. You know, and he's just said this: the, the the both sides journalism of the past was bad in the past. It is completely not up to the to the to covering Trump and the Republicans right. in this day and age. Both sides are not the same. Republicans, Democrats do some bad things, and when they do, I will point that out. But right. as long as there's not the, the polarization is is not as asymmetrical, as long as the, the Republicans are proposing, you know, what amounts in some cases to genocide. And it's not I'm going to point it out. And I think that when you get a few of them willing to do that in mainstream media places, it emboldens others. I mean, we've seen April Ryan, who's been terrific. We've seen uh, what's his name at CNN? Shoto, Shuto, Shuto, you know his name, Scuto, whatever. Oh, Shuto, Jim Shuto. I, I met him on the street the other day. Yep. Really nice I mean, guy. Yeah. There's been way. a number yeah. who have stepped out of that mold. Yeah. And been willing to do that. And I thank yeah. them all because I think we we will we we have or will reach a tipping point where more than than more of them will be doing that than those that will be left that won't be doing it. You know, right. that's where I feel like we're headed. BuzzFeed has already completely changed and does it. You know, Ben Smith, who admitted to being part of the problem when he was at Politico, he wrote that. Um, you know, saying I used to cover politics this way. It is not up to covering politics this way in this age. Now, granted, I would make the argument it never was with the Iraq war and other stuff, but whatever. Point being, he at least admitted that, that he had been a part of the problem. And he said this was, you know, an open letter about a month, two months ago, and said mm-hmm. that, that BuzzFeed was no longer going to cover that way. And they have it. They sit there in their title and they'll right. tell you if Trump's lying about stuff. In, right. in the title, they'll say Trump, Donald Trump says blah, blah, blah. it's not true. Or, you know, I mean, right. this, this right. is all hugely important. But it's a matter of, as you said, it's re, it's they have to rejigger the entire way they do the media because in the past, in the past, the lies were never this extreme. Even though we'd still get pissed at them for being stenographers and not actually, right. and not, in other words, when they knew there was a lie. But what's interesting is now we don't even need to prove to them it's a lie. In the past, they used to say, "Well, but is it a lie?" And we'd be like, "Well, no, it actually is a lie to say gays are pedophiles." You know, something like right. that. Right? Bush I mean, would lie, I mean, right? Bush would lie about the big stuff. You know. And well, Iraq, yeah, mission yeah. accomplished, for example. And I'm not saying that isn't terrible. Yeah. Of course it is. But but the problem with what Bush generally still stuck to the sort of reality of the world we lived in. It was, you know, with Donald Trump, day to day, everything is a lie. Like, you know, oh, or, no or Democrats voted yeah. for that bill on opioids. Oh, it, the bill passed 99 to 1. 
and like every Democrat voted for it. Right. I mean, it's stuff that he doesn't actually well, have me, to lie about. Let me jump lied. in on one. Let me jump in on one thing where you're going to get sure. ripped a new one. You know, Bush obviously lied about Iraq, but the thing is, he did it deftly, so it was confusing as fuck. And Listen. that is even a little, but I'm saying, but that's even a little different where, where it was, it was a gray area. Obviously a lot of us didn't, I mean, I didn't support, I didn't trust him going into I'm the not, Look, I'm not rehabilitating but, Bush. But, but it was, no, but my, right, right but my, no, but no, my point, my only point is I'm defending you because trust me, you're going to get eaten into the comments on this. Whatever. You kind of said, you kind of said Bush never did any big lies kind of thing. Of course that's he didn't. That's not what I said, lie, John, even, not what I said. I said Bush lied about the big stuff, and it was terrible. He oh, okay, that's numbers, fine. That's fine. Stuff with yeah. Iraq, but the little stuff. I'm saying day to day, just the everyday yeah. little stuff of is the sky blue? Yeah. You know, yeah, is the pavement on the ground? But like, even the big stuff, I think he did it more deftly that made it more confusing for people. Cliff, the Iraq right. thing, the Iraq thing. Yes, a lot of us knew, but we didn't really know, right? I mean, right. our gut told us he was lying, but we didn't know. We didn't have people on the ground. With Trump, literally all the big stuff he's saying, you know, he's lying. I mean, That's what it's, I'm saying. I mean, anyway, you're I, not disagreeing. I, I, I can, I, and, I'll, and I'll just say, I get annoyed with people who start to pull this shit because it, it's, it's like every time I point out, you know, hmm. the relative terribleness of these two. Right. People trying to claim I'm rehabilitating Bush. I'm not fucking rehabilitating. That was Bush. why I brought it up. Bush is yeah. one of the Bush is yeah. one of the three worst presidents we've ever had. I mean, Bush is or four. Bush is down there with Andrew Johnson and with Buchanan and with Trump. The difference is is that he's on the level of like you know sort of uh, of Buchanan and, and Johnson. Trump right. is a level right. below that. So right. it's not. I'm not rehabilitating Bush in any way and saying he wasn't a liar. He wasn't a terrible president. Iraq wasn't ridiculous. You know, Katrina wasn't a fucking joke. He didn't deregulate everything to the point of the economy crashing in 2008. I can go off on Bush all day that he ignored 9-11 warnings or whatever. No rehabilitation. The difference I'm saying is the basic reality of the sky is blue, you know, grass is green. You woke up with, and Bush said, he lied about the big stuff that he fucked up, which was plenty bad and terrible for this country. And a whole right. bunch of people who served him should have gone to the hate. Let's, okay, including John Yu. I want this to be clear, so I'm going to finish yeah. it. I want to finish this yeah. point. Okay. Donald Trump, even the little things, like, I did this, you know, I went to that charity ball. No, you were never there. You know, I was in D.C. that day. No, you actually were in New York. Like the little thing, everyday things, to the, and that's the kind of authoritarian lying. You, this is the kind of stuff you hear about from people like Gary Kasparov, you know, under you know who's in Russia under Putin or people like that. Which is they want you to get to the point where you don't know what's true anymore. Right. Like even the little things are lied about to the point of when you're in in, in an autocracy, you don't know anything. Right? right. People in North Korea right now don't know anything about what the world is like. They have no idea. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what Trump is trying to do, and that's why as terrible as Bush is, and he was fucking terrible. This is a whole other level. That's right. all. Right. So I was going to say, uh, let's move on to the election, maybe? Yes, absolutely. Um, how do you want to do this? We, I mean, there are a lot of, there are a number, maybe we do that first. Maybe let's talk about some of the races first, and then we can talk about, we also wanted to talk about uh, suburban voters, uh, educated uh, college-educated white women, some of the other sort of overarching issues that are yes. going on that are interesting. Well, but, let me talk about my favorite race first. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And one that you're going to know a lot about from who you worked for in the Senate. Huh. My favorite race oh, is that yes. we talked about the other day with Max Boot <laughs> that Don Young, who has been in the Senate, or been in the House, and I'm not kidding you, this is true, 44 fucking years. Again, folks, why I've come around to term limits and believe yeah. in them now. Um, 44 years. I, I don't know. He must be old as fuck. I have no idea. He's probably in his 80s. I don't think he's ever been sane, so I'm not sure that that's changed anything. Um, sorry for you older folks if I'm offending anybody, but such is life. Um, and 
you know, the thing is about Don Young. So, so okay, say, are, tell, tell them who he is. So he's a longtime member of Congress from Alaska. Yeah. I mean, seriously, he may be what? He's only the second congressman. They, you know, I mean, how many congressmen have Alaska had? It's only it's been a state yeah. for about since what? When did it join? 1959? 19, yeah. Yeah. Around there. So, I mean, yeah. he's been there almost since the damn place. Uh, I mean, you know, became yeah. a state. Um you know, he brought, brings home pork. That was a necessity for Alaska. I don't begrudge that because there was a lot of infrastructure to do. And it's a, as John can probably tell you more than me, John having probably been there many times, it's there are places you literally just can't get around by road. Yeah. And it's different yeah. than almost any other place in this country. Um, but he's corrupt as hell. He's always, um, and I'm going to tell you a quick story about this, but mm. he's always had an affinity for the violent militia movements. So when you see what, what we spent the last week, blaming rightfully the rhetoric of Donald Trump for inspiring terrorists to murder two African-Americans in cold blood in Louisville, Kentucky, in, inside and outside of a Kroger, uh, for the murder of 11 Jews uh, and the injure of, uh, injury of police officers at the Tree of Life Synagogue in the Pittsburgh area, and the attempted largest assassination of political figures in U.S. history with mail bombs at this point mailed to 12 people, Couple of them got two of them. So I mean, well, there were fourteen shipped totally, but it, but some were probably duplicates. Yes, mostly political figures, but also people that spoke out on politics, actors, philanthropists, you know, others, uh, news organizations, and and you know, this has been a long time thing that I have looked into and talked about because of the work I've done on the NRA, who was white nationalist before it was cool. I mean, if you want to know where the Republican Party was headed, <clears throat> they were the type of stuff Donald Trump says today that freaks people out. The NRA has been saying in their emails for twenty years now, and. And stuff, you know, about Latino gangs and, you know, you know, black people coming to rob you and, you know, and rape your women. I mean, they've been saying this shit for years. Um, and it's important because Don Young is not only a board member of the NRA, the crazy right wing Putin funded NRA. But in 2009, he stood up on a stage with a guy named Schaefer Cox, who is the head of a local lunatic separatist militia in Alaska and signed this thing uh, called a declaration of in, it was a declaration of intent, a letter of declaration, that's what it was called. Mm. And this letter of declaration said that if the United States were to raise taxes on Alaska or pass further gun control, they didn't just have the right, they had the duty to violently fight oh. back. This oh, wow. man signed a ta- domestic- Over taxes. Yes, taxes. He signed a domestic terrorist manifesto on a stage. We have video of it. I've right. watched it. I've shared it in 2009. With this guy Schaefer Cox saying that if taxes were raised and if there was gun control measures passed, you know, like an assault weapons ban or, or universal background checks, that they that all patriots, as they called them in Alaska, had the duty to violently right. uh, respond. Well, you, you know what that led to? Hmm. That led to that guy Schaefer Cox cooking up a plan to mass kidnap and murder Alaska troopers and a judge in Fairbanks, Alaska, for which he was stopped hmm. and caught by the FBI. And he's now serving 24 years for right. that. Don Young has never been held to account. Never. When I say count, I'm not saying necessarily he should go to prison, but never even been held to account. Paid a political price is the point. And forced to answer for why he stood on a stage with a domestic terrorist and signed this fucking letter that in it was encouraging violent, fomenting violent revolution against the United States. He's also used the term wetback a number of times to describe Latino Latinos. He's a virulent racist. And so, folks, that scumbag, Don Young, John knows, and when I keep talking about John, I assume the regular listeners here know, but if you don't, John worked for former Senator Ted Stevens on foreign affairs matters in the 80s, late well, 80s, and transportation. early 90s. Uh, uh, yeah, late 80s, early 90s, and transportation. So I did a lot of the domestic issues that routinely we would have to, I would, I would 
get some success for Alaska and I'd be forced to give it to Don Young's staff so they could do a press release about it. We routinely helped the guy get reelected because he just wasn't, he just didn't do much. We did it for him. Right. So that's the, that means that's sort of the background of all this. And Don Young in the last week has moved two slots over. He first was, he was at a likely Republican. So clearly they're seeing stuff on the ground. Um, you know, in terms of fundraising, he's been out fundraised, but also in terms of, of what I guess what people are saying in polling. I haven't seen a ton of it, but he was well, actually Cliff. Let me tell you, the latest poll is out today and it has Galvin, his opponent, up by one. Oh, my God. That makes me so happy. Yeah. Galvin. That's her name. If you're listening to this yeah. from Alaska, Julie Galvin, is it? I think I got to look it up. But yeah, in any case, please vote for her. Um, I've seen yeah. a number of friends of mine who live in Alaska uh, have tweeted out like that their parents voted against Don Young, voted for Galvin. This is the first time they've ever voted for a Democrat. So clearly, there, I've seen two different people tweet that out. Again, that's right. anecdotal. But when you add you that know, to I mean, do you know what's up actually? To everything else? All right. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, but do you know what's actually up? I don't. Like, what? What? what is the analysis as to why Don Young is finally having problems this year? You know, I don't. That, I'd be love curious. to know that. Yeah, I'd be curious. It, what it may the, just be the wave. It may just be if you're really finally it, 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 an anti-Washington fervor is hitting Alaska. Right. You know who who's been around the longest representing you in right. Washington, and maybe Julie right. Galvin is just running a great campaign. Mm-hmm. She's raised a, a ton of money. It's a woman running in a Me Too year. I mean, there, there could be a number of reasons for it. Right. I mean, Alaska has always been quirky in that it's socially liberal. It's just voted Republican based on being libertarian. Well, it's very and, libertarian, exactly. Yeah, and maybe yeah. the bloom is off the rose yeah. now, and they've seen Donald Trump, and they've seen Don Young buy into Donald Trump, and they're kind of saying. I'm just guessing here. Maybe a lot of these libertarians are like, you know what? No party, no party necessarily perfectly reflects my priorities, but I think I'm going to go with the one that that doesn't support the domestic terrorists and isn't sort of, you know, isn't the one that's the authoritarian party saying they're going to shut down the media and all that sort of stuff. Because if you're if you're actually a libertarian, you kind of would you'd have a lot of problems with Donald Trump. I yeah. don't know. That may be it. Let's remember, Lisa Murkowski was the only one to vote against Kavanaugh. Um, so actually, if you think about it, there are a number of things going on there. First of all, Lisa Murkowski was the only Republican to step up against Kavanaugh, which influences people in her home state when she said why. All right. right. That, then second of all, the, the, the governor of Alaska right now is an independent and did one of the many things I've seen this from a couple people this election cycle who stood up and done something. And that is actually what we all would expect. And it's just about as patriotic as it gets. And in his case, he said that the, I can't think of the name, but the Republican is so bad who's running for governor, and he's in third place right now, the independent who is the actual incumbent, that he dropped out of the race for re-election and endorsed Begich, uh, the former U.S. senator, and now, and, and now running for, for governor of Alaska, and said, you have to vote for the Democrat. So that may be the, what Murkowski did, who won, at one point ran as an independent when she lost the Republican nomination however many years ago, and a Walker, their independent governor, did. Maybe that's sending a lot of independents away from Don Young and away from Republicans to Democrats. I don't know. That's right. one analysis that might explain some of it. But, you know, it, it, it's again, the, when you combine the anecdotal evidence and the and the polling and everything else, all I'm saying is he was likely Republican a week ago when you and I had our yeah. podcast a few days ago with Max Boot. It had already been moved to lean Republican. And now it's just been moved to a toss up. Let's let's jump through some other races because there actually are there were some governor ones we're going to want to talk about, too. Um yes. With the uh, with the House. I mean, we could talk about Steve King really quick. I don't know if we did last time. I think didn't we? Maybe, but if you want to take that on, well, the one thing with him. Oh no, last time was last time was Max Boot, so we didn't talk. Well, no, that's not true. We did half hour afterwards. Yeah. Well, what I don't what um, I what I don't fully understand about Steve King is that why suddenly now? I still don't fully get that. I mean, 
Yeah, okay, he endorsed a neo-fascist for mayor of Toronto. He went and met with the Austrian far-right party that would literally is an unreconstructed Hitler-esque party. Well, they were... They were were the Nazi party, is what they were. But how's that work? I mean, he's, you know, he's praised the Klan before publicly. I mean, he's done all sorts of stuff. Why suddenly... There must be something going on there that's scaring Republicans about yeah. blowback. Because to see Steve Stivers, the, the head of who I've met before, he's, he's based in Columbus, who's the head of the National Republican you know, Congressional Committee, say, you know, this is too much and rebuke King um, and say that they're not going to spend any yeah. more money on him when he's got basically no money in the bank and an and a opponent with $1.7 million who's been pounding him on air and he hasn't been on air which is why that race, I think, yeah. the poll should either him up by one or down by one in what was a likely Republican district before. You tell me, John, why suddenly these two things he did, why Why would they, is it the tree of life shooting? Did that change things? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. There was an interesting report yesterday, uh, maybe MSNBC, I forget who, sort of embedded with the his opponent, uh, J.D. Shulton. Uh, What's the... Uh, his opponent's name. J.D. Shulton. Yeah. I mean, I think Shulton. that's how you pronounce it. Um, and, uh, and, and they were saying that Shulton is, was really impressive, very personable. Um, but at the same time, with all the money he had on hand, they were saying that um, people, you know, observers didn't think it would matter in terms of, yeah, he could buy a new lot of ads, but they didn't think negative ads were going to work because people already know what a, what a racist ass uh, King is anyway. So it, it didn't really answer the question of why right now, is either this guy lighting things on fire or is King, you know, plummeting. Now it does make me wonder, you look at Dana Rohrabacher, same thing in California, right? I think it's California 48, you know, I think he's been there 30 years, far right Republican, uh, pro Putin. He's crazy, you know, but, but he's also far right. Before Donald Trump was, if you want to, anybody wants to come after me for that, I'm quoting Kevin McCarthy of, of the majority leader of the Republican party. So take it up with him. If you think uh, somebody's besmirching Rohrbacher's good name. Oh, right. Yeah, no, no. You're right. McCarthy, as Cliff has said before, McCarthy's the one who joked or didn't joke that uh, he thought that Rohrbacher and Trump were on Putin's payroll. Um, Rohrbacher's terrible, but he's another one where the race has been pretty much tied. Um, yep. I'm already spacing out. Is uh, That one is with Harley Ruda, right, is the opponent, yes. I think. Yes. And, um, and, and the, the thing that's got me wondering is, Okay, you've got Democratic turnout and all of that. That's great. I wonder to what degree I've been wanting to see an anti-Trump revolt, meaning people are once again kind of fed up with what they're seeing and they just lurch the other way. You know, that 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 there's the animosity, the anger, but to so not to because sort of, of the, the members that they're a member of Congress, but because of Trump, you're saying. Right. And not even it be an anti-Trump thing in the sense, I mean, on our side it is, but on the right or the middle, not even an anti-Trump thing. And I'm sick of him being a racist, but but more just a visceral, I'm sick of all the bullshit. I'm sick of all the anger. I'm sick of of always turning on my TV and getting scared. And I just want the same thing that brought Trump in, which was, I don't care who he is, if he shakes things up good, that maybe the same thing's happening in reverse now, that I don't care who the fuck we elect, but it's not going to be the guy sitting in office right now because I'm sick of what I'm hearing out of Washington. And it well, just so happens what you're hearing is Trump. You know, I, think I don't know. That, but, I, you know, I said this as a critique. Well, the way, actually, Cliff, I'm sorry, but this leads us into the women discussion we wanted to have, too. Okay. And to what degree that... Um, one of the main points of this election is that college-educated white women have so veered against the Republicans that there, uh, there was a really good story in the New York Times yesterday by Alex Burns, who we love, uh, and maybe Jonathan Martin too, 
uh, talking about how Republicans are concerned that there may be an actual realignment going on where college educated white women are now going to veer so far to the left that Republicans are going to lose them for generations. And I wonder, so you you could have that kind of a thing happening too. I can't, you know, lose them for generations is the thing I can't speak to because I I don't have a crystal ball. I'm telling you that what you're seeing out there right now, having working on uh, for an IE and a local congressional race, as I have, and have looked at a lot of polling is they are losing them on mass. I mean, that's, that's the story of this election right now. There's smaller stories within that, but the, 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 the story of this election from every, everything I've looked at is um, African-American turnout is through the roof um, right. to the point of like, and we, we remember we saw that in that race in Alabama and that maybe was a foreshadowing of what was to come to where they had almost presidential level turnout. And was, I mean, I think it was 75% African-American turnout of the presidential election, not just in an off year race, but in a special election. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Like often you get 10% or 20% is what you get. So, so we're seeing that we're seeing, um, uh, also now more recently, we hadn't seen it as early on as the African-American surge, but we've now seen a surge in both youth turnout. Like there are kids actually, planning i'm not kidding this like i was just reading a whole article about this plan seniors in high school who are planning senior cut days to go vote yeah i just saw that literally leaving school not to cut to like you know do what my what we did when we cut like go ride a roller coaster or something stupid (laughs) right (laughs) like the mature thing they're going to vote and so that so right now the millennial uh turnout is up 500 percent. i just was reading this yesterday and the other one that we we couldn't figure out a month or two ago that hmm. didn't hadn't kicked in yet was Latino Latina. Maybe right. there's something about voting really early that isn't something that is, has become a culturally you know popular thing. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's fucking kicked in because right is now, it that, up now, oh yeah, that vote Good. right now, the Latino Latina vote in was it California, Florida, and Texas, which is what gives me a lot of hope for Beto and Gillum and Nelson. And you know whatever, and and what puts these Southern California Republicans? You brought Rohrbacher, but there's about five seats in Southern California, and literally none of them are fully safe. Like they they could be almost wiped out of Southern California completely. Hmm. Party. Um, so it's a veritable caravan of Latino voters, an invasion, exactly. you might say. <laughs> if you put together a large group on some sort of a bus or a, let's call it a caravan, um, that's what's so. I mean, so you know, those are, that's the one story. Cause those are all democratic base voters, you know, Latino, Latino, not as strongly as the other, as, as African-Americans, but still generally 70 to 30. I mean, and, and often can be as high as 75, 25. But um, the other story I'm telling you is suburban, well-educated white women hmm. who are just in droves running away. And, and again, on the congressional level, in a way, are these, they haven't been are voting these still soccer moms? Now, are these still almost, soccer moms or what are they? I don't know what we're calling them, but they've been drifting Democratic slowly since Bill Clinton in 96, I would say. More right. quickly uh, since 2004 with Bush. Um, like a lot of them were already heading away. Obama won a lot of them over and they've stayed Democratic since then, at least right. on the presidential level. But like now you're seeing that next level, as you often see, which is on the congressional level, state rep. And what's helping, of course, is a lot of them are actually running. You see someone like a Spanberger run against Dave Bratt in suburban Richmond. I haven't checked her registration, what she was, but I wouldn't be shocked. She worked for the CIA. I wouldn't be shocked if 10 yeah. years ago she was a Republican or an independent. Now yeah. she's running as a Democrat. You see that with a whole bunch of combat veterans. You see that with, you know, just all sorts of people um, that you wouldn't see before who are running. And a lot of them are women. 
And right. so that that plays a role too. But yes, that's the other story of of this election. And there've been there've been pieces in the Washington Post, New York Times, and a whole lot of places mm-hmm. that that you're right that this is scary. And I think it should scare them long term. And you see the different issues, the white supremacy stuff, and whatever. Of course, you know, is setting them away. But yep. gun control is, and that's I've seen that I've worked on this issue is a huge issue because a lot of women who live in the suburbs who were middle class, upper middle class, sent their kids to these what they thought were safe private, uh, safe public schools. No longer safe. People are showing up in places like, you know, in 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 suburbs, Newtown, right? right. Uh, Parkland. The average home in Parkland, I think, cost nine hundred thousand dollars, but that didn't save you if your kids were in that school, did it? Right. Um, and so you're getting more moderate um, moms and some dads, well-educated men, but much slower rate of well-educated men switching over. Well-educated women are switching over in a huge way because I think of and and again, all most of those seats in Southern California, suburban. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Each in Florida, most of them that are up for grabs, suburban. Um, you know, you know what you just reminded me of was I've mentioned the story before, but years ago, talking to this woman who was an editor at uh, After Ellen, I think it's called. It's a, a big lesbian community website. And we were talking about women versus men online, but it also applies here. And she was hang, saying how, you know, guys come online to basically fight and or have sex, find sexual partners. <laughs> women go online for community. And she says, you know, we we don't we don't. I mean, yeah, sure, there's women in politics who want to fight publicly and yell and scream or whatever, but but traditionally, that's not really what women are after. Women like to find community. They like to find like-minded people. And you got me thinking when you were listing off the issues and everything about, and I'd be curious because, again, we're two guys talking about this, so we, we, you know, we ought to ask one of our female guests, but also just the general tone of the discussion, these angry, over-the-top, screaming men like Trump has got to be something that I would imagine at its, at its root – just turns a lot of women off. I don't just mean well, Trump's uh, lasciviousness. I mean, just the the overall boorish anger and nastiness is something that I could imagine. It reminded me of what that woman said, where that's something a guy might look for. It's something where a woman goes, ugh. Well, and, you know, if you've had enough women in your life, no matter what, you have you have a mom, you have a sister. Do you have more than one sister, John? Just one uh, sister? Yeah, two sisters, lots of cousins and everything right, else. And, yeah. You know, I, I'm married. I had a mom, as you might suspect. I have a sister. I have a sister. I have, you know, female Don't friends. be anti-testu, baby. I, I'm not. You were assuming moms. Well, you, you, could, well, you didn't. You could have had testu baby and two dads. Well, Don't go there. That, couldn't the test tube Don't have go been there. Couldn't we're the test tube have been my mom? <laughs> we're going to have to kick you off our favorite email are list. Are you listening to me, John? Couldn't the test tube <laughs> have been my mom then? I mean. I, yeah. Are you my I, mommy? Are you my I mean, mommy? Uh, that was a big book when we were kids. You're getting, you know, don't, I'm don't, kidding, don't I'm be kidding, all politically, anti-politically correct these days, just because an inanimate object may have been my mom. I don't expect you to watch it. Go on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I'm, I'm being silly too. Okay. But, yeah. So we're talking, we were talking about women, actually, we're talking about women responding. We, well, let yeah. me fix this on air. If I did say something yeah. that, that is insensitive there, I apologize. No, did you? What'd you say? If I said I must have had a mom. Oh, I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. I, I'm well, you are, but your, for our listeners, yes. if I said something that I should not say there, I apologize. I'm no, 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 no. Don't, don't um, worry about it. Um, but but anyway, you, you were talking about how women would, would probably not respond well to a boorish well, guy. Well, I mean, yeah, because – and I've, I've heard women around, women who I trust, who never say these things. It's it, Because if it just were Donald Trump, it would be one thing. You know, it'd be bad enough, right? But the most recent Supreme Court nomination was a lunatic who was charged with assault, and you believed it. And people watched his body language with his wife and the, the way he reacted to being yeah. questioned by female senators, especially the way he yelled back at them and snapped. And people were like, yeah. it was a lot like an abuser. I don't, you know, his wife looked really uncomfortable. So I don't, a lot of people who sat there and analyzed him when he was standing there next knows? to her. Like, yeah, 
She it did pull look- away at one point. She did. She kind of, okay, who knows? She looked like she cringed at one point when he was standing with her at some event. He then, he then kind of moved her out of the way Trump style. Yeah, I remember when Trump did that to the Montenegrin president or whoever it was, former Yugoslavia, and moved him out of the way at the NATO event. He kind of did the same thing to his wife. And then when he was like yelling and screaming at the hearing, she was sitting behind him. And you don't know whether she was just pained because her husband was upset and her family was under attack, whatever, or if it was a little creeped out. But there were multiple – exactly. There were multiple instances of her looking a little creeped out by him. But who knows? Who knows? Well, I mean, I'm just saying there have been so many instances lately, obviously, we don't need to go into all what's going on with the, with the Me Too movement. We've followed this. We've talked about it. Many political figures have resigned or at least have been kicked out of office for, for this kind of behavior. But think about who the Republicans have been sort of – who the faces of the Republican Party have been lately and who they've showcased. You have Roy Moore screaming and yelling about people – about yeah. biblical insanity and apparently was calling girls in trigonometry class to come out and meet him. You've got Brett Kavanaugh apparently was holding women down and putting his hand over their mouth and stuff like that. And also is somebody who's screaming and yelling at female senators acting the way he acted. Donald Trump obviously goes without saying um, a video just went viral, uh, Hmm. you know, the last, and I hope that helps her pull it off. But the candidate Shirley is her last name. I can't, or Liuba, Hmm. I don't know. Her name was running against Peter King in New York. And I sent it out to people and it got a lot of retweets where I just said, you know, because it went because he was so abusive towards her in their debate. He was screaming and getting in her face, um, and and a lot of people were sort of like. And I, what I said to people was like, just turn the sound down and watch his body language and tell me he's not violent. You know, right. and you could tell by the way he acted. The Gianforte's body slamming people. The right. you know the David Bratt who tries to intimidate with all the Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi. You know, uh, Spanberg who then stands up strongly and basically tells him to shut his fucking mouth. Um, I mean. There's just been so much evidence of these bullying older, yeah. mostly older white guys. There's exceptions to that, of course, um, who have done this stuff. And I, I just think that has a lot to do with it, too. Yes, I think that's yeah. reminded a lot of women of men they've had to work with, men they've had to deal with, men, you know, because there's too many damn men out there like that. And their behavior was protected for a long time. Let's, OK, let's let's kind of move on. I'm. I'm I... Again, I think there's too many house races to talk about. I did have a neighbor ask me yesterday who's here in D.C. and follows politics. So the fact that he asked me this made me think maybe we should just talk about it briefly. But he said, you know, are we really going to lose the Senate? Is that really true that that not lose it? Is that really true that we're not going to win the Senate back? And, you know, as of yesterday, the percentage was still like 80, 85 percent chance of Republicans retaining the Senate. Um, so was that, you know, that was Nate Silver, just so people know where you're getting that? Uh, no, I, I couldn't even tell you now. I was watching analysts on the news. I, that's, that's all I can tell you is just sort of the, the the election, the election types on either CNN or MSNBC saying that it was still 80 percent plus that there really was no chance um, because Democrats are still fighting in these key seats. Now, you know, what's interesting is, for example, and this is what sort of gets me with the polls I was talking about, Cliff, on Wednesday, right, there are two polls showing Kristen Cinema. Okay, so Kristen Cinema, for example, or Kirsten in Arizona running for U.S. Senate, okay, Democratic mm-hmm. Congresswoman running against Martha McSally, a Trump Republican lunatic. So one poll shows Cinema up by four points. Another poll on the same day shows Cinema tied with McSally. Then right. you get yesterday, another poll shows McSally up by seven. Yeah, that one's crazy. But what worries me, I just, this is what I meant. I know that. I, I worry, but I'm just saying the rule of thumb stuff is whatever no. doesn't look like the others is. Throw right. it out. Okay. The uh, So anyway, but so cinema looks like cinema might be doing a little better. A poll in Nevada had Rosen up three, which is interesting, although that's almost a bit of an outlier too, potentially. But we'll see, right? Because well, um, so I've seen now a couple Keller was doing row, better. But that cinema one was I saw, and I was like, that was an exception. 
again, I still think it's very close. So don't take this as me saying I think Sarah's right. definitely going to win. But I think with I think she has the advantage, and I think with turnout, it should help because again, most of the ones I've seen lately, and I saw one or two mm-hmm. others in addition to the ones you saw, all were kind of like cinema plus one or two. Same with with okay, Jackie good. Rosen after a good. couple of polls in a row two three weeks ago right. showing it down. I've now seen two or three in a row, not a lot. Again, yeah. the kind of stuff that's scary because it reminds you of Hillary Clinton in 16, where she was up by a little bit in a lot of states, as opposed to a lot in fewer states that were bigger, which would have made me happier. Um, and you can lose all that. You know what I mean? I mean, even if you're up by just a little bit, it's it's not so don't take this the wrong, you know, the way I mean, obviously get out there and vote and call everybody you know and get them out of the vote. Well, no, but no. your but your point is that it feels like maybe it's moving in the other direction. That's now. correct. And it's the same fun. with the Beto race, because we had seen and at yeah, first I didn't absolutely. believe it. And then I saw a consistent number of polls for a few weeks there that had Ted Cruz up six, seven points. And I was like, all right, this has to be legit as much as I don't want it to be. Science is science. But now the last three in a row have all showed him getting closer. And the one that just came out, which they seem to, to really get very specific you know, in this one, is they're willing to go to the half point or so. Let had, me, let me, I think it was 47 for, for Cruz. Just let me finish. And then yeah, I'll yeah, it. yeah. And it had, it had Beto at 20, not 20, at 47.5, 47 for Cruz, 44.5 for Beto, a two and a half point. And he can overcome that with the turnout they're getting right now if it is that close. Right. Question you know, is I, I was I was just going to since you said that I pulled up the polls, I don't have that poll, but the most recent polls that I've got, you've got <clears throat> the penultimate. OK, the most recent poll that I've got on Real Clear Politics is Cruz plus three. And at first you might think, well, is that an outlier? Because the one before it had Cruz plus 10. Listen to all the polls, like six polls of the last six, because that 10 might be an outlier. OK, Cruz going back in time to a week or two, uh, maybe a week ago. Uh, no, a month ago, excuse me, a month ago. Cruise plus eight, cruise plus seven, cruise plus six, seeing a trend here, cruise plus five. Then you get cruise plus 10, but then you get cruise plus three. So if that 10 is an outlier, you've got eight, seven, six, five, three. Yep. That, and that's mostly what I've seen. So that's I, a trend. I yeah. think that's where I think that's where we are. I honestly yeah. I think I think Cruz is up by a couple of four days to go, which is not bad. Right, he's up by a couple points, and I think if turnout can do it, um, you know, and then the beauty is also, I saw a speech the other night, and, you know, it was by, if you know who Colin Allred is, I didn't really know who he was before this. He's running against Pete Pete Sessions in Texas 32. Oh, okay. This is one of those seats that was solid Republican for a while. Sessions is a right-wing Republican, and yet now... Hillary won. She either lost by a point there or she won it. Mm-hmm. I feel like she won it that district. It's been it's Dallas area, which has been trending Democratic. You have the classic suburban voters who, you know, largely women moving in direction. Mm-hmm. Colin Allred's this big guy. He's African-American. He's a former football player, professional football player. Mm-hmm. They played in the NFL. Then he served in HUD under Obama. Um, he just, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I feel like he was in the military, too. He kind of checks all the boxes. And I'm telling you, he gave this speech. It's like what you've seen Beto and Gillum and Abrams give. Like right. he's a rock star. Right. Um, it was incredible. It wasn't this fake pandering stuff that some of the Democrats will do when they don't want to say anything. It was from the heart. It was meta about about what country we want to live in and if we want to include everybody or not. One of the best things of speeches. It's on. It's floating around Twitter. And so if Beto does really well, that also helps someone like Colin Allred. Frankly, if Colin Allred does oh, yeah. really well, that helps somebody like Beto. They yeah. mutually reinforce each other. So I mean. You know, that's that I'm hoping that has it, it has yep. that effect, too. But I, I would yep. say to you right now, I'm feeling bullish about Arizona and Nevada, semi bullish about Texas, not nearly as bullish about Tennessee, because I've still seen those 
in the the one I saw yeah. most recently was closer than the there was one that had shown black Blackburn or whatever. I would say Blackburn versus Bredesen is that race. Right. It, it had her up five was, but then I just saw another one that has her up three. My problem is you she's know, Cliff. I'm look, let me tell you real quick. Blackburn nine, Blackburn five, Blackburn eight, Blackburn four are the most recent four. polls. Four was she's, the one, not three. Four. But that that's a consistent Wednesday. No, she's up. Four and, polls, and she's up. Is, but so yeah. is Cruz. The difference is who do you see inspiring? Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm sorry. No, stop that. Uh, no, no, different Donnelly. Never mind. Never mind. Okay. I saw so two other. Yeah, never mind. Inspiring. Yeah. I mean, I'm not basing this on who I like better or whatever. I'm just saying, which state do you see where there's somebody who basically is being swarmed right. by 50,000 people everywhere, where turnout apparently, again, among like Latino, Latinas is up some ludicrous. I don't even want to put, try to qualify because I don't remember. It's yeah. up some ludicrous amount. Overall, turnout, the early turnout has broken massive records. So the problem is, is that even if Bredesen and, and, uh, you know, Beto or at similar positions behind, I feel much more confident that yeah. Beto can pull it out with all the turnout. You so I'd say right now, if, if, if we, if we, we pull those, Senate? yeah, we can, because if we pull those three right. and win them, and then I, I still put Mississippi as a wild card, because I think we have a chance there, but not, I'm not as bullish as, but if we, even let's just say we win those three, right? that would put us right now at 52 votes. Hmm. We can only afford to lose one. Well, the only one we're really behind in right now is Heitkamp. And I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, McCas- McCaskill's very much a tie. It keeps. Yeah, she's tied. McCaskill's tied. Yeah. Donnelly is about tied or slightly ahead. Manchin yeah. and Tester are, are pretty decently ahead. Manchin's doing well now. Yeah, and Tester, so Tester might Tester, be. Is he? Yeah, so, Manchin definitely is. And Nelson's pulled ahead too. So, I mean, yeah, there actually is a real path. It's not going to It wouldn't be a big majority, but I don't think any of us give a fuck. Majority is a majority. There is a, a, a path to 51 or 52, depending upon yeah. if Mississippi or Tennessee come through. Even if, and then, and, and of course, then we could still lose one of the other seats right. if we won, a, won one of those. So, yeah, I, I still see where we could actually win the Senate. I'm not saying it's a huge possibility. It's not. Interesting. It, it could happen. Well, you know, it's really – granted, there's early voting, so that the, those votes are locked in. But it's going to be interesting to see over the next four days – if any momentum develops, because often what you'll see too in elections is we'll start to see momentum develop. And we always say, well, either the candidate peaks early. So you see like, God, if we only had the election a week before we would have won, or we yep. say, Oh my God, it was like in Beto could be a good example where you go, Oh my God, the polls are showing it tightening. If we only had another week, yep. you don't know, but, but with four days to go, the other, and the other variable is Donald Trump's craziness. You know, either he's helping or he's hurting. And I don't mean that in a facetious way, but I mean, there's a real uncertainty to the bombs Trump is throwing. A lot of Republicans around the country are not happy with, with what Trump is doing this week. Um, basically, it's, it's anybody that has those white educated women, college well, women we talked about, or anybody who's just in a, a moderate district, like a lot of the Chicago suburbs that are, maybe they're Republican, you know, where I grew up, but they're moderate Republican. They don't go for fire breathing crap. They really that's don't. Right. Well, you know, that's they're, not, like, they're not evangelical. Frankly, that's why you're seeing a, a you shitload know. of movement right now in the Illinois suburbs too, where yeah. one or two of those seats that were right before considered to be either lean Republican or whatever, one of them now, I'm trying to remember which one it is, is, is lean mm. Democrat. We're at the point where one of those Republican seats is actually expected mm to go democratic and like two of the other suburban Illinois ones are, are, I think either, you know, you know, and I can look this up in a second if we really want to know, but are either toss up or lean Republican. I mean, we could pick up a couple there. So, I mean that you're right. Cause those are those suburban voters we're talking about. So we'll see, but there is a path to win. Everybody needs to turn out. We need to do what we need to do, you know? Um, 
And then, uh, you know, there's, there's the governor's races too, which for the first time, um, I mean, and this is, I can't tell you, I mean, for everybody listening, there's a lot of races I care about, but to me, the most important thing on election night is <clears throat> Tuesday is that we win back the house. The second most important thing to me, Cliff Schechter, is that the governor of Ohio go Democratic. Um, and right now, for the first time, they've moved. Cordray was first behind DeWine, then he was tied. For the first time now, Nate Silver is saying he's he's pulled ahead and has a five of nine chance of winning. So, you know, oh, not a huge advantage, yeah. but I'll take anything I can get because four more years with this state being ruled by Republicans cutting education funding and giving it to ridiculous, yeah. you know, fucking charters that waste it and do stuff like that. I'm not saying all charters are bad, but these big charter companies are mills and ignoring all sorts of other scandals. And I mean, you know, passing laws to, to ban, to try to take away women's rights and on guns in bars. I mean, you know, we have a choice. We can, we can go in the direction of, of, uh, I don't know what state I want to pick on Oklahoma, or we can go in the direction of sort of more of like the more center left Midwest of Minnesota and Michigan. I'm hoping that's where we go. Right. Because you know, to, I mean, again, I know this is me, but I know there's some other Ohioans listening. This is important to me because Hamilton County, where I live, the Cincinnati area is is moving way to the left, is moving in a progressive direction. Mm-hmm. But it, it's kind of hard, even if you live. I, I kind of understand what somebody must think who lives in Austin, Texas, right? Even if you live in a very progressive county, and and you know, the state controls a lot of stuff. And if it gets too right wing, then what the hell do you do, right? Right. But anyway, yeah, no, you're right. There's I'm looking at the polls and. uh this last month, there have been three polls. Cordray, the Democrat, up six. Cordray, up three. Cordray, up five. Just yep. this week. So, so that's if, making me feel good. And and and, and I, it's actually kind of funny that I said Oklahoma, with no offense to my friends there, because that governor's race has been moved to a toss-up, where we we apparently have a great chance to win the governor's race in Oklahoma. Um, that's one of the ones they've moved. Same with Kansas. Did you see, by the way, Jeffrey Tubin called Chris Kobach a, a racist to his face? Oh, it was, um, I watched it live. It was oh, beautiful. Oh my God. I, did, I, you I see, watch, did you see the video? I didn't, yeah. I didn't see it live, but I watched the video like three oh. times. I enjoyed it so much. Frankly, anybody, oh. if you want to see something, I mean, Tubin, see, there's another example. Tubin oh. may lean a little bit left, but has always been an objective yeah. sort of commentator, reporter, and that's the stuff we need. We need people who are willing to sit there, look in these people's faces, and not use the bullshit like mealy mouth words like, well, some of your stuff has been racially tinged or some of your stuff has been racially insensitive. No, you're a fucking racist. Well, I and tell, okay, tell people who Kobach is. What's he running for now? But give, give, the worst give a quick summary, but then also who he is, what, he was, what he's running for. He has for. two issues, basically. And both of them magically have to do with the same groups of people. Um, his, his issues are stopping every person who's not white from voting or not right. white and wealthy from voting. Well, actually, he probably likes working class whites now because they vote Republican often. Um, and um, and immigration. You know, he's part of the whole bull, you know, caravan, you know, darken our race. Doesn't quite say it in quite the same tone. He's a shade to the left, let's say, of Steve King. So if you've got uber white nationalist, he's more like a Francisco Franco, let's just say. Um, <laughs> okay. Then a Hitler. Uh, no, he's more Hitler. So in any case, um, Kobach was sitting there. Well, okay, but just so people know why we're talking about it, he's running for Kansas governor right now. That's right. So he's, and previous, he's, he's been Secretary of State. Right. He's the one who Trump put in the head of that whole bogus bullshit Bingo. commission on voting, which they essentially disbanded because they can't find any cases of anybody voting illegally. It's they were th- this was this was the commission that was going to uncover the three million illegal votes in California right. that that Trump claimed Hillary got, and then as Trump, as Cliff said, they disbanded it. So that's and he's now running so far, for Kansas governor. Illegally are Republicans. Ann Coulter voted illegally in our Miami. Yeah. <laughs> like she didn't vote where she was supposed to. So yeah, they just banned it. Yeah. He's a clown. 
And he's running for poll. governor, and it's pretty much a tie. The, the poll's going back a month, not even a month, two months, keep showing him up by one point against his opponent, Kelly. Well, and there's also an independent in the race. Um, oh, that's interesting. Corman, who ran as, a, in as an independent for Senate back whenever, but he had Democratic support then. Oh, you're right. Corbeck versus Kelly versus Orman. And Orman's right. being a selfish asshole. I'm just going to go ahead and say it and not doing. I've seen, we've seen a lot of people do stuff. I mentioned Governor Walker in Alaska who dropped out because he said, you know, I can't do this. If I take away 15 or 20% of the vote and the, and the Republican wins, we can't have the Republican win. That will destroy my state. So I'm not going to run for re-election. I'm going to endorse the Democrat. Um, it, it, Orman has refused to do that. Although just yesterday, his treasurer, who is a former state Republican state senator, Republican state senator, I feel like maybe even the leader of the Republican state Senate about a decade ago, I don't remember when, said, I can't do this any longer. He said, you know, you're, you may split the your friend and whatever, but you may split the vote, quit Orman's campaign and endorse the Democrat. Hmm. That was the state treasurer or the treasurer of his campaign. So you do have folks doing that. Um, and, you know, I'll say quickly, because it's on my mind now, in what we would have loved to have seen that hack Jill Stein do, the Green Party candidate in Arizona, I forgot to mention that when we, when we talked about it before, dropped out and endorsed cinema and said, I can't, I, I can't be a party to splitting the vote and allowing the Republicans to win. I may have a lot of disagreements with Kirsten Cinema, but she's a lot closer to where I am than McSally. So we've seen some people do some honorable, right. noble things. So in any case, here we're talking about Kansas. Yeah. Hopefully that will make a difference, that this former Republican state senator is endorsing the Democrat. There's been a big gulf in Kansas between more traditional, moderate, suburban Republicans like the ones we're talking about and the far right, because Brownback was governor there and had a 20% approval rating by the time he got a rescue line from, from Trump, who appointed him to some stupid religious-based thing because he's a nut. Um, but But... He essentially destroyed their. He, he, he did Reaganomics. He cut taxes crazily, and then and and their education system has just plummeted in every other service in the state. And the moderate Republicans actually overturned him, of you know, a veto, and actually raised some taxes. These are Republicans who did this because they control everything there. Uh, so we'll see. But Kobach is one of the worst. I pulled up the quote, actually, of what happened the other night, if you want me to read, read it. Yeah, read that to people. Yeah. So this is basically CNN's Jeffrey Tubin, their legal analyst, debating Kobach. And it's not clear why Kobach was even on as a candidate. It's a little weird to have one candidate on and not the other. You know, I mean, like, it's a little weird. But anyway, yeah. he's on and they're they're debating the birthright citizenship thing. And Tubin goes, Chris, I love the way he talks, too, because it's very, you know, Jeffrey Tubin, he's kind of very nice. Chris has devoted his entire career to stopping black people and poor people from voting. That's been your goal for decades. Kobach gets pit, flustered, clearly, and pissed. That's an outrageous accusation. Um, uh, it, it, that's an outrageous accusation. And Tubin goes, well, it's completely true. <laughs> and then Kobach goes off again. And Tubin concludes, he goes, you know, your problem is some people vote for Democrats and you want to stop that. <laughs> it, was I mean, it was perfect. Beautiful. It, well, it was more perfect because he kept so calm, as you said, yeah, like, sort of well, this. as he was, it was almost like he was giving an academic paper, matter of fact. Yeah, he wasn't, you know, saying it with any animosity. He was just pointing out who this guy is, and Kobach just lost it. Your entire, you're, you're, you've devoted your entire career to stopping black people and poor people from voting. <laughs> yes. I want him to lose badly because he, you know, he reminds yeah. me of this mm. whole crew of who I like to call the Ivy League fascists, mm. these Yale and Harvard types. They've all sold out and become right-wing Republicans, or maybe they just always were anyhow. Josh Tom Cotton. I'm sorry? 
Josh Hawley. I think he's a Yaley. Josh Hawley. So. Yep, he's a Yaley. Uh, Ron DeSantis is, I think, a Yaley in Florida. So I want to oh, see. God, he's I want to see them yeah. lose anyhow. But yeah. um, Kobach is a, I think, Yale or Harvard or both. He's a use a professor. Um, he's, I think he went to Yale Law School. I mean, a couple of these guys, and, and I mean, again, I, I can't help it. I mean, mo- you know, most Ivy League universities tend to be pretty liberal. So you wonder who, what, where the hell these guys are. Well, I mean, you know, you get conservatives. I mean, you know what I mean? You of get the, you Dartmouth, the Dartmouth Review. I mean, you get, you know. No, you're right. Dartmouth, though, mm-hmm. is more conservative than the other ones. Sure, Dartmouth would get more, but yeah. Um, in any case, uh, I, I'd like, I'd love to see them all lose. DeSantis, Kobach. I mean, it would be, it would yeah. be great. So, so, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, but I mean, it is, it is the fact that governor's races in a number of very red states are potentially winnable. Um, that that's kind of a cool thing too. I mean, we could win in Oklahoma. We could win in Kansas. Uh, right now, a state that is still purplish, but leans <laughs> to the, to the other side, uh, and which is Iowa. We're supposed to win that governorship. We're actually favored to win, um, which makes me happy. We're supposed to take Maine back, which is important. That's another place where the damn independent kept running, splitting the vote. So that lunatic LePage, who I feel like was Trump before Trump was able to win two terms and he never got 50% of the vote. Um, you know, because the same guy ran as an independent twice. Well, um, there's an independent in this one too. I don't know why they keep fucking doing it, but um, it looks like that the Democrats still favor it to win. So let me ask you a question on redistricting. Um, I'm assuming governorships just depend state by state in terms of how long they are. A lot of them are two years, but not all of them, right? Or are they all two years? You're talking about governorships? Yes. Most governorships are actually four years. It's only a couple in New England. Maybe there's a few other Virginia, places. I think Virginia too, isn't it? Virginia's yeah, like Virginia crazy. Is, so Virginia's unique and it's four years, but you can only run one term. You can't run for Oh, oh, that's what it was. Okay, okay. Kentucky used to be that way. When I worked down there in 2002, they, they, it, was, it was a one-term four-year governorship. They just reformed right. that and said you could run for re-election. Okay. Now, only Virginia. The only ones I'm aware of are the three New England states right there that right. do two-year governor terms, Vermont, New Hampshire, okay. and, uh, and Maine. So for redistricting, it's hugely important who we oh, get. That, that's exactly. You know, my, concern, my concern was exceptions, not, right? So too. Iowa has an independent right. commission, so I don't think it matters. You just want a governor. There's Democratic for every other reason. Um, but in most of these states, absolutely, who wins the governorship is going to be hugely important for redistricting. Well, because, right. My, my concern was whether it was too early. Whether, But the point is that redistricting will happen in the middle of their term. Now, for well, state no, but legislatures— they, no, but it isn't too early because they, they do it. No, no that's my point. Yeah, yeah, because for, for I see what you're saying for the it's two four. other places, yes, they, so they'll need to to win re-election. Yeah. Oh, and actually, I was wrong. Maine is four years, not two years. It's just New okay. Hampshire. Oh, good. What about but legislatures though? Some of those are shorter. Um. Yes, and that those are so for them it depends. They're which all legislature. over the map. I mean, so yeah. I can't tell you all of them. Some of yep. them are two years, some of them are four, some are elected in odd years, some are elected in even years. You know, right. that's. Okay. Um, but still better to be in power than that, not, but it, yeah. Right. Well, and it doesn't change yeah. the fact that anybody who's an incumbent is going to have a better chance of winning. So anybody who's up for election this year, if they win, even if they're up again at some point before redistricting, they will be the incumbent and they all have a better chance of holding that seat. You know, what was interesting is Nate was actually saying in one of his analysis silver recently that apparently the incumbency advantage overall is diminishing, at least in, uh, I, I saw that too. Yeah. It, which it I thought was interesting. Is. Well, I think the biggest incumbency advantage used to be, uh, what used to be fundraising and so many Democrats now, blue, I mean, blue, oh, pack blue and you do yeah. some of this stuff, John, you help out yeah. some of this. It is, yeah. it's revolutionizing all of this. I yeah, mean, you're right. Ben O'Rourke, you know, can raise 30 million or $38 million in a quarter. And the vast majority of that comes from small online donations. Then, then it ceases to, the incumbency ceases to matter. 
right? I mean, yep. in terms yep. of fundraising advantage, it ceases to matter. But the other advantage is still there that you get from from incumbency, which is name recognition. I mean, in most places now, it's if obviously if you're somebody famous who runs from some other avenue of life, be it you're a professional singer or athlete or whatever the hell you were, then that advantage is gone too. But in most yep. cases, who are running are not going to be as famous as the people they're running yep. against. Um, no, that's and, a very you're right. I mean, even you look at excuse me, I'm yawning here, but the Bernie thing. Um, Bernie or Beto, both, right? In terms of not taking pack money or whatever, they're you now all these house races too. You, you have the luxury of doing that. Three now. million dollars. I mean, house races. It used to be if anybody hit a million dollars, and this wasn't that long ago, that was a big deal. And now you're seeing three, four, five, six million yeah. dollar house races, and that, and the vast majority of that, if you look, or I shouldn't say vast majority, but a majority of it is coming from online type donations. I mean, it's revolutionizing this stuff. It's going to help limit in some ways, the power of corporations, which makes me think they'll try to find a way to undo it, um, which we should all be ready for to try to stop. Um, So that's why incumbency is less important, but there's still, even if it's a 1% advantage for being an incumbent, it's an advantage. Right. So So people put it now, the better, you know? Oh, man. Now I ask the most important question before we end here. uh, it's, It's up there with who lost China, you know, when they went communist after World War II. Yeah. And, 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 you know, who ignored AIDS in the 1980s? We know that one, but go on, yeah. That one, which is, who lost Kanye? Oh, God, that's People hysterical. may have seen, sadly, hysterical. Kanye yeah. West tweeted out that he had been duped, I know this will shock you, and that he doesn't, he feels people were using him, so he's going to step away from politics. And apparently on the, the right wing side, I wanted to surprise you with this one, by the way, John, because it was. Too yeah, funny. I love it. No, I love this story. Yeah. On the right wing side, apparently, everybody's blaming two people. I love when they when they turn, <laughs> like, especially they're who blaming. they're turning on. Yeah. Turning, turning points. Charlie Kirk, that little douche who looks like a character out of the movie PCU, like the fake Republican. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. It's hilarious, but no. the little Republican douchebags in it who like wear their suits and ties to their fraternity events, and Candace Owens who's just the most loathsome creature too. So apparently they're like, trying well, no, to but, but, no, but tell who she is. Come on. Oh, she's, so she's the head of, I mean, she's the head of what, which is the name of the organization. Oh, it doesn't uh, turn, even matter. Turning she's, point USA, like no, the tea party group, but she's also bearing the lead. Finish. Yeah, go on. Okay. She's the head of Blexit, which is her thing is black exit. Get it. She's a play on words where African-Americans should leave the democratic party because, you know, Republicans are so good to my African-American out there. She's the lead black Republican voice other than Diamond and Silk. <laughs> it's it's as far as women at least, but also men too, I'd say. They're the she, she's the I mean, other big voice. I never see Ben Carson in, on TV talking anymore. You don't. You don't. Michael, St- Michael Steele can't stand them anymore. Right. He's not with them anymore. And, and you know, maybe what's his name is just stuffing you his pocket. But you really it. don't. Paris Denard, boy, the Paris's fall was quick and hard. Not touching you know, that one. I wasn't. I wasn't trying to go there. I was just saying. But he, because of his sexual harassment stuff, he's. Go- but I mean, literally, he disappeared. Um. So yeah. So so Candace is huge because she is this obnoxious Twitter personality, just obnoxious, and just to add fuel to the flame or whatever. You know, she's an African American, not just Republican, but far right Trump loving. The rest of you are horrible. Black people all need to become fake, Trump. I, think, like the rest. I mean, she's there for the. It's know, Ann Coulter. Yeah, she's I there mean, for the Ann Coulter, Dana Loesch. She's she's there because she wants to be famous. Yeah. yeah, and at some point, some of these people decide. She is now. 
even being famous for being terrible, <laughs> shitty people is better than not being famous, I guess. Well, she's famous now, Cliff, for, for sure screwing is. the Republican Party over with Kanye. <laughs> I love it. So I'm not sure what uh, the, the why they claim that she did it. But oh, I, I know what it was because oh, was she designed a, a Blexit, her little black exit from the Democratic Party T-shirt, and she claimed that it was Kanye's design supporting them. She and Charlie Kirk became big Kanye followers, and he gave each of them a pair of some some Nike shoes or something that he designed. I don't know, some 700 something it's called. I don't know, but some kind of shoes. People who know it will know it. And he invited them like to their concert. So they became little Kanye groupies and were on the, and she would tweet about how my good friend Kanye, right? They, they both, they both made the huge mistake of when you get to know a star, which is claiming too much Especially publicly that they're your star. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. The guy is off his meds and, and you don't yeah. know what he's going to do any given second. Yeah. So to think that, yeah. So she friend. claimed exactly. So she claimed that Kanye had actually designed the shirt for blacks to exit the Democratic Party, and he went, "Whoa, I, I'm not a part." Because that even that went a little too far, which is interesting for Kanye. So he got pissed and then tweeted and said, "I'm I'm pulling away from politics because of this for a while." So she then tweeted, "Oh my God, it's all my fault. I'm so sorry." Then you've got Lucian Wintrich of all people, that little little. I don't know if you know who he is. He's one of those little former White House correspondent for Gateway Pundit. I love Bingo. his quote in here. It is a right. piece. Bingo. It's one okay, of my favorite you. quotes of all time. From seriously, I was going to read this. They really overgrifted that situation. Right, overgrifted. <laughs> so, so you understand correctly what I'm getting at here. Grifting is completely okay. okay. Is what he said. We're right wingers. <laughs> so we're complete scammers by nature. We're you know Jacob Wall. <laughs> Is a classic example of the douchebag trying to pull this thing over on Mueller. I knew nothing about him, but he was a right wing Twitter troll, you know, who supported Trump. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, as I had to learn more about him with this thing, inevitably, naturally, predictably, he was a, he he had been he was the youngest person ever banned from the securities industry, and still has cases of fraud pending against him in Arizona, where the equivalent of the you know, of the, the FCC in Arizona is looking at them for ripping off investors. And I mean, because every person who surrounds Trump is a grifter and a terrible person. It's just inevitable. None of them can actually be there because they believe in anything. There is no anything to believe in. So, right. of course, you know, which which I, I love that with Wall. And of course, like these guys, you know, it, it wasn't it was Lucian Wintrich. And I don't know who, who he is except for to read his name in here. But, uh, but he, he didn't say... Oh my God! They're a bunch of thieves. They should be lost. He, it's that they're over grifting. They didn't know when to stop. They didn't know. You know, some yeah. grift is cool. Let's say fifty percent grift, but not seventy-five percent. Yeah, Republican Party for you folks. That's who they are. So oh, can I? Can I, I just yeah. got a. I just I'm saw a tweet. tweet. You, you go for That's it. Okay, one, one last little tweet, but it's another maybe feel-good tweet. Don Lemon. God bless Don Lemon. You know, because you know. <clears throat> He's he's really risen to the occasion in the Trump years. Yes. Um, in late 2016, a dispute between conservative activist Matt Schlapp, people remember him, his wife works in the White House. He is the former head, I think, or the current of the American Conservative Union, super far right. And he's a total Trump sycophant on TV. Horrific, horrific. Okay. And so, off TV, like on Twitter, everywhere. Yeah, he's, he's just, terrible. So in late 2016, a dispute between conservative activist Matt Schlapp and South Carolina Democrat Bakari Sellers. Folks remember Bakari. He's a young, probably 30, not probably, he's 30 mm-hmm. something, pretty young Democrat, Paul. African-American, great oh, guy on CNN. Yes. He's what, what were you saying? 
a, a former is he a lieutenant governor? He was some sort of political position in South oh, Carolina. Right. And, right, and right. everybody right now is trying to recruit him to run against Lindsey Graham. He's amazing. Alabama. Yeah. And like if he runs, I'll be, I'll, yeah. I'll, if I have the money, I'll max out to him immediately. Cause anybody. Amazing. Smart guy, head on yeah. straight. Really. Yeah. So a dispute between conservative activist Matt Schlapp and South Carolina Democrat Bakari Sellers escalated into a tense and jaw dropping moment during the commercial break. So they were still going on during the commercial when Schlapp, according to people present, barked at Sellers, come at me, boy. Wow. Schlapp apologized when they were back on the air. Bakari, I'm sorry I snapped at you, but Lemon told me he hasn't been invited back on the show since. Good for him. Ooh. He really has. I mean. Wow. Good for him. Up. Come at me, boy. Not to mention, yeah. if you've seen Matt Schlapp, like, really, what are you going to do? That, that fat sack I mean, of, I mean, yeah. That's no. what I mean. He's like, a, and he's yet another Republican that doesn't scream masculinity. And the yeah, reason exactly. I, raise, no, I raise this because there was another great tweet by Ben Shapiro yesterday, and I, I won't be able to find it now. I should have thought about it before the show. Ben Shapiro, crazy right wing, whatever, uh, far right guy, decides to respond to Cameron Kasky, right? I think it's Kasky's yep. last name. The yep. one, of, one of the young, Parkland, one of the great young Parkland. Parkland kids. And Cameron's probably one of the youngest. He was 15 at the time. He might be 16 now. And Cameron was talking about sort of about masculinity and how basically, you know, true masculinity is being comfortable enough to not really worry whether you're masculine or not or something like that. It was, it was, it was a nice little You know, I'm, I'm just going to say quickly, I'm going to have to yeah. read another tweet about somebody like this after this because. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so Cameron tweets that and Ben Shapiro responds and says, masculinity, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I will do a good para, uh, paraphrase. It says, you know, no, masculinity is defending your family and your country and provide providing for your family and defending it or something. And I wrote back and I said, you know, well, okay. I mean, actually femininity, I think defends the family too and provides certainly provides for it and defends the family like what the fuck's that about but i also it's funny, i started off the tweet i wrote something pretty good but i said you know considering you're like one of the least masculine guys i've ever seen you yeah. should be like the last person and he's not i mean ben shapiro comes off totally gay he just does and that's fine i don't know if he's gay or not he probably he probably isn't i mean who knows but but as a gay guy he comes off as gay absolutely he's not I very masculine. Say to you. <laughs> um, but, and that's fine you can speak but, for for uh, for gay people, yeah. And I think I can speak for vertically challenged Jews. Um, oh, that's I mean, interesting. Yes. I'm five eight, maybe five eight and a half on a good hair day, yeah. and like I've been around. I'm a good two three inches taller than Ben Shapiro. Yeah. He's not somebody. I mean, he. I love it. He puts in his little bio that he's five seven. He's not five seven. Is it his bio? Oh, is it his bio? Yes. He like, he wants to make everybody. He's five five if he's lucky. And I, I do say if he's lucky. So he's not – yeah. I mean, am I okay for all you listening out there that aren't tall? Neither am I. I'm not trying to make fun of you. But yeah. I'm just saying when he's trying to, to act like he's some tough guy, well, see, I don't walk around acting just, like I'm a tough guy because I know I'm not weird. There. I mean, the thing is the whole thing is weird because why are you even talking about, A, defining masculine – oh, here it is. Here it is. I found it. Cameron says – masculinity is being comfortable enough with your identity to not give a shit what other people consider masculine. And I, th I thought that was, that was pretty cool. You know, yeah. Especially from 15 year olds. Okay. That's no, cool. I mean, seriously, he's, that's right? a deeper thought than I ever had at 15. Well, especially in high school. Cause in high school you wouldn't, right. No. We were all desperate to be approved. We never, my high school position was not, I don't give a fuck what people think of me. Oh, <laughs> that of was not my, my in high school. I wish I'd been that mature. I really you know? do. You right. know? So here's what Ben wrote back. 
And again, why he felt the need to respond to Cameron. So out of the blue, Cameron wasn't writing to back. That's what I mean. He, I see him doing that all the time. He just looks for people to pick on. Bingo. Cameron wasn't writing to Ben. So Ben writes back, masculinity is protecting others and building families and institutions to keep the monsters at bay. And you're like, but again, right, right. You're reading. Okay. So women don't protect others. Women don't build families. Apparently women not. And women don't help keep monsters at bay. Well, actually in this election, they very well are keeping monsters at bay. Actually, yeah. It's the women out there right now who are ass kickers running for all these positions with ads about their CIA service and doors that got shot off of their helicopters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Frankly, (laughs) Amy McGrath, due south of me in Lexington, for example, about an hour, hour and a half south. I'd love to put her in a room with Ben Shapiro. I I was just say, I would pay to see any one of them Oh. Just, you know, a charity boxing match with Ben Shapiro and have to <laughs> die. Okay. He would be a bloody mess in no time. Oh. Actually, Abigail Spanberger probably could kick his ass too. Oh I would my think. God, she would just. She's him. another one. Oh, oh my God. My name is Abigail Spanberger. Like, it was you like. find damn. a couple dozen of them who could oh, just beat them. God. So he's just, he talking about, yeah. about, about this stuff from what you're saying about him seeming kind of gay and my seeing, he's kind of small. I, yeah. I mean, he's not impressive as a specimen. Oh, no, no. And the, but again, the, the reason I just wanted to make it really crystal clear. The reason we're talking about him being kind of gay and really small is like, he's the typical Republican where they throw around terms like masculinity because it was, it was clearly like oppressive to women, what he was saying and, and sexist. And, and he was trying to be, it was this macho man concept. And it drives me nuts when people who aren't even macho men, even though we shouldn't care if they are, are then acting like macho men and discriminating against others for not being macho. Right. Most women aren't as macho as men when he's not as macho as men either. Right. It's, it's tough just, because we have to ask ourselves, is it because he's trying to cover up for being gay or he's trying to cover up for being short? We don't know. Or both. No, I, I would, and, I would even, and I wouldn't even go there, but I think it's trying to cover up because, like I mean, you said, he's, concerned, because like, he's, not, he's not the Incredible Hulk. That's what he's trying to but cover it's up. His, it's, it, there's nothing wrong, of course, with either of those things. It's you his know. psychology that's oh, the problem. But I love right? that, though. It's, it's some of these guys who feel like they have to be tougher because yes. that, as if you're not as much of a man as anybody else because you're gay, as if you're not Kill as much the animals and bring home else the... you're short, you know? Like, who cares? If you're, if you're comfortable with who you are, none of that stuff matters. Yes. If you're not comfortable with who you are, you have to send out stuff like that stupid tweet and act like you're all tough, you know? Ben I mean, Shapiro, that... hunter-gatherer, who de- a defender of the women folk. Hunter-gatherer. He'd be killed by a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> he would hunter-gathering. He'd, He'd be, be running, screaming. Guy. He'd be yeah, screaming like a, he'd be screaming like a boy. <laughs> exactly, you weren't screaming like a large boy. Um, oh my god! Anyway, you know, I just thought I it, mean, was, it just made me laugh. It here's the tweet like I have to read to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> we I, do have to I, go I after tweeted, this, but go on. Yeah, <laughs> I retweeted this, and I was like, I may frame this. This is so perfect. Huh. So Lindsey Graham. <laughs> well, okay, you can figure it in some directions. This might go, but mm-hmm. Lindsey Graham finally a president willing to take on the absurd policy of birthright citizenship is what he tweeted out. So retweeted by David Simon. You know who David Simon is? No. Former um, beat reporter and crime reporter for the Baltimore Sun who became famous because he wrote The Wire and um, Homicide, um, whatever, you know, that one that was like, you know, uh, and then Trem more recently. It takes place in New Orleans. His early ones always took place in in Baltimore, but The Wire was a huge hit. That was his biggest one. Yes, that I know of, yes. Um, and he's hilarious. And he, he, people attack him on Twitter. And he just, he actually, the no names. And he rips them apart and tries to do it in creative, funny ways. Like, you know, he sits there and, and, and he, you know, calling them shit bucket. I mean, he comes up with all this great stuff. Okay, so here he is. 
He retweets Lindsey Graham's tweet. One drunken night in a Key Largo motel with a baby manatee that happens to be wearing crotchless chaps and a push-up bra and the goddamn Russians never let you forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would explain a lot. (laughs) <laughs> oh, but I love that he put uh, before the crotchless chaps. He put baby manatee. In baby it. manatee. That is the funny thing. Yes, safe for everybody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're not saying anything, but you know, I'm not saying he's not into manatees, but you know, yeah, you know, manatees. Anyway. Uh, no, in any case, I just, th- I mean, uh, I don't know. It's anyway. funny, and you know, guys, we're, we're doing our best here to come up with some things we can all laugh yeah. at. So, but once again, finish up with the election then. So are you feeling more or less bullish than you were earlier this week? Look, I mean, I, you know, I don't think there can ever be an election again after 2016 that I can go into feeling as comfortable as I felt that night. Yeah, with that yeah. night. I mean, the one before that that did that to me was 2004, where early on the reports of all these exit polls and Kerry doing great. And I thought, but 2016, I was, it was even more of a blow because Trump versus Hillary. I mean, come on. Um so I feel as optimistic as I can feel when you include that, right. which is, again, I'm going to stick by what I said before. Do I think we take the Senate? I don't. I think, though, that we, we hold on in enough places and win in enough places for it to be a 50-50 Senate. That's, where I'm, that's right. what I'm saying. I think pick up one seat, that's what I'm saying, and get close so that when we have some better targets like Collins and Gardner and people in 2020, we can, we can finish it off. Yep. Uh, but I think we take back the House in a huge way. I think we probably take back – um, I, I'm going to go with what I said before, somewhere in the range of 45 House seats. Hmm. Um, I'm hoping more, but I'm gonna, that's going to be my prediction. And then right. I think we're going to pick up at least seven or eight governor's races in a couple state legislatures. And that's a pretty damn good night. Right. You know, and, and he, the key thing is, you know, Oklahoma, if it happens, Kansas is huge because Kobach's so terrible. Um, Maine, you know, places like that, great. But actually, the more important places to me because of how it affects gerrymandering and other stuff is we're taking back the big states. Outside of Texas, where they've got a big lead in the governor's race, in my estimation right now, um, we're going to win in Florida. We're going to win in Michigan. We're going to win in Ohio. We're going to hold on in Pennsylvania. Um, Those are four of the biggest states in the country. Ones in 2010, the Republicans had all of those for redistricting. Uh, That makes an enormous difference. Um, And so, you know, if out of the top seven or eight states in the country, the Republicans only have Texas, that puts us in an incredible position for redistricting going into, into the next one. So, All right. so I, and I, and everything I just said, I consider a great night. There's obviously individual races, Steve King, Devin Nunez, Ted yep. Cruz, you know, where as much as I'd like to see the Democrats to win, I want to see these particular Republican fuckwits yep. lose. Um, yep. And so those will be like my next string. My first yep. most important thing is Congress. Second is the state I live in and getting a governor and some other people. But the third thing will be those individual races. I'll yep. be sitting there to look and see that hopefully great Democrats win and terrible Republicans lose. Rick Scott, I want, I mean, it's not just about, you know, Nelson holding the Senate seat. That's part of it. And I like Nelson. He's more moderate. To, he's to the right of me. I don't agree with him on everything, but I like him overall. But I hate Rick Scott. And Rick Scott, okay. again, is a criminal being rewarded with, you know, the biggest case of Medicare fraud in the history of the country at his company. So in any case, okay. that's all I got. Okay. Well, let's see. I think I was just linking to this. We, we can even talk about this on the air. 
it might make sense to do a Monday broadcast since it really is like, because for example, Tuesdays, they may not even get until the polls are closed, which would suck. You know what I mean? So maybe mm-hmm. we shoot for Monday and we can do our final wrap of where things stand. And then if we're both available, we could have Wednesday be our second episode to do the, oh my God, what just happened? <laughs> hopefully in a you good know, way. Hopefully, hopefully in a good way. In a Rather than way. a depressing way, because otherwise we're going to get drunk at noon and you do know, a There is one last yeah. thing in that good way I think we ah. should say. Um, people and this is this is all of you out there have been terrific in all of these sorts of places where the Republicans have tried to deny votes in North Dakota. Um, I think Daily Coast may have funded some of it, but people have gone and are offering um, to have gone. And oh, yes, are, they did. Providing free IDs for for uh, and, and addresses, Natives. however they're doing for the for the Native Americans who need yes. to vote. Um Lyft first did it, I think, and maybe Uber after. I don't know, but also people have pitched in in, in outside of is it outside of Kansas City, where they where there's an area there that's very Latino, dot and Dodge City, I guess it is, and they've they've purposely only given them one polling place that's a, that is a mile away from the bus stop. So all those people going and organizing carpools to drive people to polls, like you guys are hitting it out of the park out there. Yeah. And we win this thing. It's because of all this kind of stuff. So you want to yeah. feel good. Feel good about humanity and what everybody's doing right now to make sure everybody gets to the polls. It's pretty cool. Yep. Okay. This is good. All right, folks. We'll talk to you on Monday. All right. Take care, guys. Bye.